When you stay committed to the process and the practice, you don't necessarily know at that time what other opportunities are gonna come your way just because you committed to this thing. Hey there, I'm Stevie, a musician from New York and the host of This Next Song's About. This is a podcast to help songwriters and musicians level up their craft for industry success. You can expect conversations with artists, songwriters, producers and coaches to help you find some inspiration and take your career to the next level. Before we get into today's episode, I want to tell you about a couple of offers I have this season for you. I have started a Patreon for the show, which is very exciting, and you can, of course, continue to listen to the pod for free right now, wherever you're listening. But by signing up as a patron, you will get early access to the podcast, video interviews, downloadable tip sheets for my guests, the chance to ask them questions, and so much more. And if you sign up before February 13th, you'll be in with the chance of winning two special prizes. So make sure you listen all the way to the end of the episode to find out how you can get your hands on these special prizes. Now, on to today's show. I invited musician Jen Eads to talk to me about a challenge she set whoa, about a challenge she set herself to write a song a day. This became something that turned into a podcast, two albums, and a conference presentation. She invites us to consider the process and not the outcome. If you've been a bit stuck kickstarting your writing or maybe leveling up your musicianship, Jen is here to give you some very actionable tips that you can start today. So sit back, grab a coffee, maybe a pen and enjoy. Jen Eads. Hi. Hello and welcome to This Next Song's About. It is a pleasure to have you on the podcast. It's a pleasure to be here. So you and I met at She Podcast Live in Arizona in October of 2021. And now here we are. And we were laughing before we hit record because you and I probably had the most in common of anybody at that conference. Uh And we didn't really get to chat. But I was like, there's a person with a ukulele. I need to speak to them. Yeah. And you were one of the first people I met when we got there. That's right. You had just arrived at the hotel. You were were buying something at um, the hotel shop. And I saw you completely. I was like, oh, there's someone I want to talk to. (laughs) And finally, we are doing it. Yeah, this is great. Yeah. So, Jenna, can we start off by um, finding out a little bit more about you and your your life as a musician up up till this point? What led you to start the podcast? And we'll come on to that later. So I did actually, I studied music in college. So it was a music and business degree. And then I graduated and didn't use it. Whoever uses their degree, right? Exactly. But I enjoyed it. And it it's funny because now so much of what I did learn has kind of come back because, you know, I kind of stopped playing music for a while because I got a grown-up job and there wasn't time for it. But then I found my way back into cover bands and then eventually started writing songs and you know, that music theory does come in handy at some point. So then I ended up working in podcasting. You know, again, all of that audio and that creativity kind of actually found its way back into the work that I was doing, which was great. I certainly find that as a podcaster, my music knowledge is really helpful. 
Oh, yeah. And and you can also create your own music and sound effects when you're doing, and, and there's no licensing issues. Hurrah. That's probably the best part of being a musician <laughs> when you're podcasting, for sure. Mm-hmm. So actually, podcasts, you did a talk or a presentation, if you like, on a challenge that you gave yourself. Tell me about the challenge that you set yourself. So it was write a song a day. And how long did you do that for? The goal was to do it for an entire year Mm -hmm. because I just felt like it served multiple purposes. So it would force me to sit down and actually block time to work on writing a song. The other piece of that, too, is that it also, you know, just getting okay with committing to that practice rather than the outcome. And then the publishing piece and actually getting at, getting it out into the world is that hopefully these songs will serve somebody as a way for them to connect because we were still coming out of shutdowns and pandemic stuff and, and all of that. And so I thought if I can put just this little two to three minutes of goodness out into the world where I'm going to get a benefit from it and hopefully someone else will benefit from it, then everybody's winning all the way around. Yep. Absolutely. So I just wanted to take a step back. So you said committing to the practice and not the outcome. Mm -hmm. Tell me more. Well, I think a lot of times, not, not even necessarily as songwriters or creatives, but especially in the age of social media where you're putting stuff out and you want engagement, you want comments, we want likes. (gasps) What happens if that doesn't come? Mm. Was the act and the practice of not, of writing the song not valuable? Of course not. And for me, I feel like it's so valuable. Like that's the commitment. That's the practice. And when we get so attached to outcomes and expectations, like outcomes and expectations ruin everything. And, you know, putting something out there because you want it to be liked or you want engagement. And it's something that I can sit here and I can talk about it and be like, oh, well, we shouldn't be attached to that stuff. But I still kind of am because I think, Just as humans, we want that connection and we want people to like what we're putting out into the world. You know, nobody wants to hear that their baby's ugly or even worse yet, that nobody cares that you even had a baby. That is an apt metaphor. And I love it. And yes, there are there are babies that look like aliens. And yeah, you know, no one's told those parents. Right. Should edit that out for anyone listening who has an alien looking baby. Um, But I think that's interesting. So you're committing to the practice, not the outcome, not the validation. And and you're right. It is so easy to focus on that because that is the thing that gives us that dopamine hit. Exactly. We are artists and seeking validation, seeking people to connect with what we're doing. So the practice, it sounds easy. Committing to the practice and not the outcome. It sounds really simple, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. I mean, that's what, that's great. You're like, yeah, I'm going to commit to the practice and not the outcome. And talk me through that. So when you started doing that, how did you stop yourself from focusing on the outcome? How did, did was it just like a, hmm, not like you, you found your mind wandering and you're like, nope, not, not going to think about that. Not going to look at how many likes this got. Not going to, you know, how did you stop yourself? Well, truth be told, I haven't. And which I feel like that's another practice in itself, isn't it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> to really, yeah, to really break that habit and and lose that attachment to it. But I also knew that by committing to this, there were other metrics, I guess. So I now have sixty songs that I did not have prior to sitting down and starting this. I don't think I'd written sixty songs my entire life. Mm-hmm. 
So I have that. I have the confidence now that I can sit down and I can finish a song. And it might not, It maybe it won't even suck. Maybe it'll be like <laughs> fairly catchy, you know? And it also forced me to simplify and maybe focused on that hook or that chorus and keep the song really basic and simple so that I could actually get it finished and out into the world. I guess going back a step, I'm not sure if we've really touched on it, but so what you did with this challenge was you put out a podcast every day with the song that you had written that day. So initially the process was just sit down and start writing these songs. It was also a way to kind of help me streamline my podcast production process as well. That was another added benefit of it. And I knew that it was not sustainable for me to actually write, record, and publish every day. Okay, good. Because I was listening to them and going, Jesus, that's a lot of work. Right. Because I still have client work that I'm trying to do yeah. and, and a marriage I'm trying to maintain and be present for and all of these things. So I would batch record. Like I wrote, the commitment was to sit down and try to write every day. But the actual recording was batch record and then just schedule to publish daily. This is how the sausage is made, folks. Truly. Mm. Okay. Um, and, you know, if you are not a podcaster, but you are a musician and a songwriter listening to this, um, you know, podcasting, it's not for the faint hearted. Uh, no, it is not. And, the, the, you know, there's a lot of behind the scenes process um, systems that we have and everything. And batch recording is a very popular thing where it, it's hard really to, to schedule a guest every week or whatever. And you, you could schedule like six guests in a week and then like just send it off either to your editor if you are lucky enough to have one. Or edit one yourself a week and, and, you know, do it that way. So it's interesting to hear that, like, your very, you know, casual, breezy podcast that just sounds like, you know, you had the windows open and you picked up your ukulele. I'm like, oh, here's one I wrote five minutes ago is not necessarily the case. And, and I think for songwriters listening to this thinking, oh, OK, you know, it, it just sounds so easy. And it's great to hear that, yes, you did commit to that practice, but it's not like you did that and then you also published the podcast that Right. And then there were days that I sat down to write. I still sat down to write, but I did not end up with the finished song. Okay. I had maybe a few different ideas that came or, you know, a chorus that came, or maybe I would get a verse and it ended up showing up in another song later. So there were some days where I was like, oh, I cranked out a couple songs today. Like, this is good. And then there were days of frustration of, okay, I sat down to write so that's good, but I still didn't really get anything that I feel like I could put out into the world. This practice also was very helpful in just not overthinking things. And, you know, it kind of helped me battle that perfectionist need that I think a lot of us have as artists as well. Mm, that's interesting. So when you were writing a song a day, so you say sometimes you wouldn't finish it. Mm -hmm. How did you settle with that? in the sense of, have I succeeded or failed at this? Was it enough for you to sit down and write? Or did it need to be that you needed to finish a song that day? I just had to sit down to write. Yeah. If, say, on the days that you were lucky and that you finished a song, so you sat down, you finished a song, on the days that it went well, because we all know that we have days when it does not go well, mm -hmm. nothing comes to you, <laughs> the dog won't leave you alone, like the partner is like, I need help up the ladder, change your life up, whatever. Um, we know that this happens and you can't sort of just get that focus. It's really hard. You know, life happens. We get it. On the days when it went well, what was that like? How long did it take you? 
did it change or did you have a flow that worked for you most times? Sometimes they would just magically come out and, and it varied. It was never the same. Pro- it didn't feel like it was the same process every time. Sometimes the lyrics came. Sometimes the chord progression came. Sometimes I could tell that I was writing in response to something that I had experienced. And I was so grateful for those days when I was feeling an emotion or feeling a certain way or frustration's great for writing songs. And they seemed to come much easier on those days. I found that I very much write in response to something. I I need that. I need something to kind of ignite that spark. Mm -hmm. It's hard just to sit down and stare at a blank page and be like, oh, well, I could write about anything. And then that feels super overwhelming to me. That's challenging. Yeah. (laughs) Hey, it's Stevie. Thank you so much for listening to This Next Song's About. Whether you are brand new to the show or to me, or if you've been listening since the very beginning, all those years ago, if you like what you're hearing, I would love it if you would share it with another songwriter you know. My mission with This Next Song's About is to help serious songwriters like you improve their skills and hone their craft. So if you feel inspired, please share the show with another songwriter that you know, send them to thisnextsongsabout.com or simply share your favorite episode with them. It would mean a lot to me and I hope it would improve their life too. Now, back to the show. When did you start the process? I started it this spring. Oh, was this spring? It was this spring, yeah. And I started it and it kind of started with just one song that I had written. And I was like, oh, well, this is this is kind of nice and happy and I should do more of this because it felt really good to write it. It felt really good to sing it and go share it with the world. And so one of the things that we haven't talked about is a lot of times I will go on Facebook or Instagram and go live from the loo where I basically yes. set up the, you know, the phone in the bathroom because it sounds really good in there and share these songs. And I was like, that that felt really good. I want more of that. So I just did it. I love Life from the Loo. It's quite fun. Thank you. And you're right. Everyone sounds great in there. Mm-hmm. Just gives you that natural reverb where exactly. you, know, you record it in a completely blank room and then go, oh, I'll just add some reverb onto this and make it sound like <laughs> I was in my, my bathroom. And when you are writing, you decided to do this all on a ukulele. Why did you do that? And if you are uh, listening, um, you can become a patron and watch all of these episodes uh, as part of our Patreon. Behind you now is an array of instruments. And I'm curious as to why you made the choice to, to use a ukulele, one of the more simple, easy to learn instruments when you are a very accomplished musician. Tell me why you, you, ch- you chose to do that. Simplicity. Very easy. And I do better when I have rules. Like I will sometimes put myself in a box so that I do have parameters and rules. So I don't have that overwhelm of, well, I could do this or I could do that, or I could try this. And I just for me and my own process, my own creativity, and I think really my own sanity and mood, I need to have those parameters or nothing gets done. That is a parameter that you've given yourself a limit, if you like. Did you also give yourself similar limits in terms of the subjects of your songs did you sit down and say okay here are some themes and I can pick from these to help me get started I tried to keep them very uplifting Mm -hmm. there were a couple that I ended up writing and I was like oh where did that come from 
And it, it gave me that feeling of, because they weren't, you know, really cheery and necessarily upbeat. They were very kind of more introspective. And I was like, this isn't the vibe that I'm going with or that I had intentionally set out to create. But at the same time, I felt like if I'm feeling this, somebody else may be feeling it too. And I feel like it's very easy for us to say, oh, we're just going to talk about the good things and the happy things and, and put the good stuff out there. But I have found, too, that the songs that resonate with me most deeply are not necessarily the really happy, uplifting songs. <laughs> yeah. And I found that after I wrote that song, and I had a couple friends, they were kind of holding me accountable, and I would send the songs to them. And I could tell based on their reaction if I had written a good song that day. And it's called Little Susie Sunshine is the song. Their response to that was like, oh, that was really good. But it was so different from anything else that I was I was trying to put out with the podcast. The reason I ask about parameters and limits, I ended up having a conversation with a music photographer, Shervin Lainez, and he's wildly successful, like does Rolling Stone magazine covers all the time now. Like, And he started in New York as someone completely unknown. And he was going up to musicians going, can I photograph you? And I think it was sort of in the days it was like Ingrid Michaelson and Regina Spector before they were really big. So maybe a good 10 years ago. So he's obviously been at it for a while. But one of the things that he said is limits. Mm -hmm. He said, become really good with one thing. He said he had one light. But it was a sort of an enforced limit because he could only really afford one good light at that point. So he became really good with a limit. And he then found that later on he had to do a, a shoot with Wilco. And he mentioned that. Mm -hmm. They had 15 minutes to do this because something had overran and they couldn't be late for the next thing, which was like a TV or a radio, you know, TV or radio gig. And he was like, I had 15 minutes. We couldn't go outside the hotel because there were swarms of fans, blah, blah, blah. We had to go on the roof and find something. And he found yeah. like a background and, you know, and to get four people looking good in one photo, like Jesus, I take, you know, I have my photographer take 400 photos of me <laughs> so I can find five. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I've been there. Exactly. And I was like, how the fuck did you do that? And he was like, yeah. you just you just have to sometimes. Sometimes that pressure really, really helps you. So I'm, I was just curious as to, to talking about the limits and whether there are any more that you had put on yourself. So there were actually two different ukuleles that I used. So one was a baritone. One is a tenor because I bought a new baritone at the time that all of this was happening. And I was like, well, what magic can I pull out of this? <laughs> And the baritone's a different tuning, isn't it? It is. Yeah, it's it's a little bit lower. Uh-huh. The other thing, the other, you know, benefit that I got out of this too is I wanted to learn more chords and just develop my playing on this little instrument that, you know, you can take everywhere. And as soon as you pick one up and you strum it, your mood, like you just it's like an exhale. And I think it also does that for the audience too. Everybody's just like happy. It's just feels good. It's so light. Yeah. So you did your Yuka Daily Dispatch and you did it for how long? 60 days. 60 days. Okay. Mm -hmm. And the last episode, you talk about taking a break. Was it pod burnout? Was it burnout of doing the songwriting? I think the, the biggest piece was the songwriting. And, and what I learned about my creativity from this process in this experiment was that I feel like it's always there in some capacity. I almost feel like it's 
you might be running something on your computer and, and be in one program, but there's always things kind of running in the background anyway. And so I feel like that made me more aware of maybe potential song ideas and, and phrases because I was always listening during the time that I was I was writing this. But it's a lot. It's overwhelming to say, I'm going to block this time out every day and commit to this. And yeah, there was definitely an element of burnout to it. Like it kind of wasn't fun. I'd lost the joy. And I think that when you lose the joy in something like that, it's like, why? Why continue this? Yeah, it was funny. I sent that episode to a friend of mine. She called me today, 30 minutes before we were due to meet. But she called me and she she had a dilemma. Someone had asked her to do a gig. She wasn't sure about it because she's in that place at the moment where she isn't finding joy in performing. And she'd been offered this gig, really well paid. She was like, mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know whether to do it. And I said, well, what, what's driving this? And she's like, I don't know if it's the validation. I don't know if it's... It's a, it's a gig in New York because she's not living in New York at the moment. And I said, well, is it going to give you joy? Is it going to give you joy? Like you've talked about like this anxiety that you've had performing and like you, you enjoy it afterwards. You enjoy it when it's done, but you don't enjoy it during. So I struggled myself as, with finding that joy again. And it's like, you know, I can do a gig and then I'm like, oh my God. And it, I didn't have joy from it because I didn't necessarily, maybe I didn't get the validation or I had so much anxiety when I was performing. So then I took a step back and I was like, I need to, to find the joy again. Where, where is my joy in this whole process? So it was interesting to hear you talk about that and to say that that's okay. And you can step back and try to figure out where that joy is for you. Yeah. And I feel like now that I've had a break from it, I was just chatting with some of my podcast friends today, and I kind of feel like I want to do another series around sitting down and writing more, just seeing where that can go. Because the other joy that has now come from doing that podcast series is I made my first album. It was certainly not an outcome that I had started with when I started the podcast, but The easiest route for me to get these songs to people was to put them on a podcast. And then I got selected to do the presentation at She Podcasts in October. And I thought, wouldn't it be cool to have 12 or so songs on an album so that as I've done this session, then I can tell people, you know, if you just want to hear the songs, you don't have to listen to all the episodes. Here, just go to Spotify or Apple or wherever you get your podcast and your music and just listen to the songs. And it was great because that was another thing that threw me beyond my comfort zone. So that was like an added bonus. And then actually getting to present these songs at She Podcast and seeing how I could weave them together to support the theme of the conference. I was like, oh, well, there's another skill. I didn't even know I could do that but I can. That's so interesting. You mentioned other metrics. You said when you don't focus Mm -hmm. on the outcome, there are other metrics and you've listed off a good, I don't know, five or six, maybe probably more. There's there's a lot of unexpected outcomes there. When I was preparing for our chat, I said, why this challenge? But what has been hard about it? What's been easy and what's been unexpected? And the unexpected, there's been a lot of unexpected outcomes. Oh, very much so. Yes. That just goes back to when you stay committed to the process and the practice, you don't necessarily know at that time what's going to come as a result of that and what other benefits are, are going to come your way or, and opportunities just because you committed to this thing. 
If you were to think about maybe three bits of advice for people who would consider doing this challenge as a way to kickstart their own writing or to hone their practice or hone a skill, whether it's, you know, picking a particular instrument or their songwriting or whatever, what, what three bits of advice would you give people? Lose the attachment to the outcome would be the first thing. Find somebody that will hold you accountable. So when I first started this practice and I was sending daily sending songs to my friend Nikki, I would get text messages like, TikTok, where's my song for the day? It was mm. great because like, it's kind of one thing to let yourself down. Like that's no fun. But when somebody else is expecting you to do this thing because you said you were going to do it, there's just that added incentive to actually stop making excuses and just go do the thing. And the third piece, I think, is look for those additional opportunities that after you've done the practice, look for those other opportunities that, that might magically make themselves available. Do you mean like repurposing your content to other songs? That's definitely one. Because when I think about how I've been able to repurpose this content, it went from writing the song, that's its own thing, and then that went to putting it on an album, and then repurposing it to use it in a presentation at a conference, and then using it for social media because I can sing it live in the loo. There's all of these different things that I can do with that one piece of content. That's some great advice. Thanks. If you, if you miss a day then just do it the next day. Don't, I'm really good at beating myself up about things. I don't know if, you know, any other artists or creatives ever experienced that and do that to themselves. Heaven forbid. I know. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> um, but just knowing that, you know, hopefully I get another day on this earth and I can go back and do it that day. And certainly if I do something and I don't succeed at it, it's binary. It's I fail or I succeed. So how do I then change my mindset to go, okay, well, I can succeed at the practice. You know, I might miss a day here and there, but like, have I done it for 30 to 60 days to make it habit enough where that is the success? Right. But I think it goes back to this year I read Atomic Habits by James Clear. And he talks about like the compounding interest of doing the thing. So at least I feel like if I miss a day, that's not great, right? Like nobody wants to, you know, fail or not show up or not do the thing that we've committed to do. But when we are okay with, all right, I missed that, start back over. And that's fine. If you've got to start the clock back over or the, the count, that's totally fine. But look for the opportunities to get that compound interest on the practice and what you're doing. Well, this is probably a good time to wrap up. Read James Clear's Atomic Habits and go and check yes. out Jen Eads' You Could Daily podcast, uh, your daily inspiration of ukulele ditties and songwriting inspiration, I suppose. Yes. Jen, I'm sure we could talk about songwriting and uh, inspiration and the process for, for a long time. But I would just like to thank you so much for coming on today's episode. Thank you for imparting all of this wisdom that I don't have to, you know, I don't have to do 60 days. I've just found it out all from you and shared it with my listeners. <laughs> so I really appreciate it. Oh, it's been my pleasure. Thanks for the invitation. Of course. And where can people find you on, on the Instagram? I am hanging out on Instagram. It is my jam at Brassy Broad Jen. And you can also check out Live from the Lou on Instagram as well. Jen Eads, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. 
Jen Eads. And if you want to get hold of Jen's tips as a PDF, you can sign up for our Patreon where you will get tip sheets from all of the episodes. You'll also be able to watch the unedited video conversations, have a monthly check-in with me and much more. Just go to patreon.com forward slash this next song's about. And as I mentioned at the start of the episode, I'm giving away two amazing prizes for new patrons who join between now and February 13th. The first 10 patrons will receive a Zoom thank you call from me, but the exciting prizes are a Shure MV7 microphone, as I've recently partnered with Shure as an affiliate for this podcast, and the other brilliant prize is a six-month songwriting masterclass on Patreon with award-winning songwriter Eli Lev. This access includes how-to videos, live sessions behind the scenes of Eli's process, and a monthly one-on-one co-writing session with him personally. Now, all you need to do to be in with a chance of winning these giveaways again is to join This Next Song's About as a patron by going to patreon.com forward slash this next song's about. That's patreon.com forward slash this next song's about for as little as three bucks a month. Details and links in the show notes. Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode. I will be back next week with ways to help you level up your songwriting craft for industry success. I'm Stevie Manns. Thanks for listening. I'm Stevie Manns. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.